Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the BNCast. Not a podcast that makes bad jokes on New Year's Eve like, I'm not showering again until next year. I'll see you again next year, or we won't be recording another episode this year. But the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the cunning spark mage herself, Emma. How are you doing this year? <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Um, yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Um, pretty much recovered from you know Christmas and New Year's because mm. it's always a bit of a busy time, seeing family and so forth. Yeah. Um, took a few weeks off work to celebrate the holidays and relax. So the, I haven't done a lot to be honest. I've just chilled out, which is good. kind of nice. It's a nice change. Um, I did play some Magic during the holidays too, mostly Vintage and Peasant Cube. Mm. And it's also worth noting if you have a Magic Online account. Um, that you put money into at some point so whether it's just like paying for the the actual account when you start or bought anything uh, you get a free vintage cube draft token so you get to draft for free and that is valid until the 12th of jan so you get a free vintage cube draft and you might free roll it so you can draft more like it's just a just a thing if people miss out on the original announcement mm. in terms of content because i've been off mm. i haven't done a lot but uh, as this comes out on a Thursday, there will be some content up. So this week, I did a retrospect on Modern in 2021. Cool. Stuff happened outside of Modern Horizons 2, unsurprisingly. You know, mm. like there was the bands at the start of the year that a lot of people forgot about. You know, the Cascade yeah. thing, Tibbot's Trickery was a thing, which I completely forgot about. Yeah, right. So that's up on TCG Player if you want to check it out. Like mm. my thoughts and feelings for last year on Modern. And otherwise, I've circled back to Stardew Valley because when you're off work... You kind of just want to have a game that's just full of boring errands (laughs) to fill the gap. Um, So jokes aside, it's really nice just to play a game that you just don't really need to think about. You can just kind of mosey through and do whatever you want, really. So it's been nice to relax with that. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. Like, to be honest, Christmas really isn't my time of year, just in general, for a number of reasons. So there's not a whole lot to talk about in terms of Christmas. I was mostly just kind of chilling, playing games and eating, you know, the usual, only more of all of them. You know, (laughs) everything at once. Yeah. Yeah. As far as TV goes, and I know I don't normally talk about TV because I tend not to watch a whole lot of stuff. It's just I tend to just play games or, you know, lose track of time being distracted by something, you know. Yeah. But uh, I have been keeping up with The Witcher and I watched season two. It was really good. I have to say. I need to watch that. It's very good, to be fair. I have seen some people complain about it, saying that it's not as good as season one. But first of all, I don't like the idea of comparing one thing with another thing so directly because they are different things even if they are part of the same thing but there's something important to note and it's part of story writing especially with something that isn't like an ongoing thing like for example ongoing things like say you know Futurama or The Simpsons or that kind of thing you can kind of compare seasons a little more there because it's just a group of stuff it's not necessarily part of a planned over arc you know but when it comes to something that's a little more specific like the likes of The Witcher or whatever season two is the part where you flesh out the characters more you give depth and complexity to their motivations and goals and stuff because you have given a good broad introduction to the world and the characters now it's time to get a little more nitty-gritty you know and i think from that aspect it was fantastic it was really really good the majority of the characters in there are very good i enjoyed like the whole thing to be honest i've seen some people say that it's like slow or that there's like stupid things i heard they've addressed the issue which was an issue season one which was the back and forth timeliney stuff because it was very hard to know at what yeah. point in this in the in the, the history of the witcher where you were at mm-hmm. so apparently they've solved that in season two which is great because that was my growth with the first season yeah so it's hard to keep up so the thing with that is i think they were i i kind of liked it but that's mostly because i like time messy stuff anyway mm. but 
I think the way that they did it in season one was actually very good for setting up a number of different things and providing you with the right information at the right time. Uh, it was hard to figure out because everyone didn't really look much younger or older this in different is it. periods yeah, of time. Looked, but it's just different costume. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But aside from that, this series is significantly more linear, like almost entirely yes. start to finish kind of thing. That's but good. yeah, it is very, very good. Highly recommend it. Uh, as far as gaming, I am back playing Genshin Impact now. So I returned after a long hiatus. It just wasn't what I wanted to play for a long time, but now I'm back exploring Tavad and I'm having a blast. If you haven't tried it yet, by the way, anyone listening, I do highly recommend it. It's it's basically Breath of the Wild, but it has an anime skin on it. Your weapons don't break, and it has like the rock, paper, scissors, elemental mechanics of Pokemon. That's basically it. The story is actually very good, and the English voice acting is exceptional. Uh, which is really unusual for the type of game that it is because it is a gacha game, you know, ultimately. Mm. But you you can 100% play the game and not spend a penny like I've been doing and still have a very good time. It is tempting so. to give it a whirl. Do, do. It's free. For it's free. Reason. You can you can play it on PC, you can play it on PlayStation, your phone even. Like, it's good. I'll give it a whirl on PC. Yeah. And my article this week is all about New Year's resolutions that you can make in Commander. So... I talk about five small and simple changes that you can make to change the games that you play or the decks that you build for the better. So if you want to check that out, that's live on Card Kingdom and it is significantly easier than, you know, trying to hit the gym every single day for the month of January <laughs> before giving up, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Now, before we move on, Emma, have we got any housekeeping? Yeah, so we'd like to give a warm welcome to Manas Light for being the latest patron to the Cheer and Fanatic tier. So thank you very much and enjoy the benefits. Mmm. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BM cast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so, first card of the week of the year, Emma, is yours. And what have you got for us? Yep, so it's a, it's a really good one. Manifold Key from mm. Core 20. So for one generic mana, you get an artifact that has two abilities. So you've got one generic mana and you can tap it to untap another target artifact. No, it can't tap itself. And then you can pay free and tap it and then target creature can't be blocked this turn. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a second copy of Altaic Key, um, especially in those sort of artifact matters kind of style commander decks mm. where you want to untap your mana vaults, your mana crypts, your front dynamos any artifact lands that you might have um Mm -hmm. even if you don't really have an artifact matters commander like it's still good because you're running a bunch of rocks anyway so even if the impact is small it's still pretty good and also you can use it in a political sense so you can always you know untap other people's artifacts so they can go off and do something with the board and the target creature can't be blocked thing also is nice Mm, because it gives tension to the battlefield and in combat as well you can use it on your opponent's creatures you can use it on your own it's just a nice little card to have and also you can get off an Urza Saga as I just realised yeah so it is very very good particularly for the unblockable part because there's been so many times where people have just been you know attacking through or whatever and being like okay I've got blockers up and that's fine and it's like before blockers uh, that one can't be blocked and then you could just kill someone so 
yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot of fun to play with for sure. And it's only eighty one cents. So. Nice. Okay, so the main focus of this week's episode. The first one of the year, we figured we would talk about the year ahead and our hopes for that year when it comes Mm. to the likes of the upcoming sets or Magic in general or Arena and all sorts. So I figured we should probably start with the sets because that's something that we know quite a bit about already. So we're going to go through them one by one from the first one of the year right up until the end. And we're going to just give our thoughts on them, what we feel about them and that kind of thing. So starting off as well, see how wrong we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can catch up with this at the end of the year, maybe, and just see how like, yeah. off base we are. See how we wrong were. we are. Yeah. All right, I would say, but yeah. mostly, probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, first up, Emma, give me your thoughts about Innistrad double feature. This is coming up on the twenty eighth of January. So, this is an interesting one because when it was first announced last year, everyone was really really excited for mm. it for the for the premise of it because double feature has this sort of classic horror sort of you know movie style thing like yeah. 70s 80s horror style so it got a lot of people's attention since more information has come about the set i've never seen like a product that players just gone off so quickly just from more stuff mm. coming out and what i mean by that is the set isn't curated so what that means is it's going to have Crimson Vow cards. So it's a mashup with Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt yeah. and put into put into a draftable set. You get 24 boosters in a box. That isn't curated, so you can open duplicates in that booster, which is really mm. weird for a draft-only set, let's be honest. Like, yeah. Doesn't feel great. Makes your purchases seem bad because you open two of the same common that you don't really care about. Mm-hmm. Another thing about Double Feature, it's got this alternate art. I say alternate art. It's kind of alternate art. It's got just this black and white sort of feel to it which i'm not keen on from a accessibility standpoint in terms of agreed you know visual design like for people to read across the table like it's it's very similar to the full art in the stradlands that we've seen in crimson Mm -hmm. about midnight hunt you've just got the slight border saying a color that's how you're meant to know and they've done that with 250 odd cards and i'm not big on it myself yeah, I'm not excited about this at all, to be honest. Like, Feels like a cash grab. A little bit. Like, if the thing is, if this was released mm. a little closer to Crimson Vow, I'd probably care a little more, because I would probably spend less on Crimson Vow and more on the double feature, because yeah. I could get more fancy art versions of things, because, you know, they look kind of neat. Like, I know accessibility-wise, they're, they're not great, because it's very hard to distinguish them, like, over spell table or this kind of thing, or even in yeah. paper, but... Some of them do look cool, but it, it it still feels like they it's the first time that they've leaned too hard on the alternate art aspect. Like they've just, yeah. like you said, kind of cash grabby where it's like, look, it's what we just released, except we didn't really put much effort into it. And we kind of just like grayscaled everything. And uh, it's almost it's like, almost like they've cut corners on it, because when you grayscaling in terms of printing, mm-hmm. it's cheaper as well. Yeah. So it, it, it's not hit me. It's not hit me right. And I, I mm. don't know who this is for. That's what I'm thinking. This product. Who is this for? Whales, Emma. They're all for whales. That's, don't you God know? damn it. That's what Secret Lair's for. Don't put it in booster boxes, <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not keen on this. I'm kind of hoping this is the only one they do and it crashes hard because it means it won't happen again. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah. And then on the same day, we have Commander Collection Black coming out. What do you think? Um, so I'm not the biggest Commander player, mm-hmm. let's be honest, but I really like that these exist for Commander players to pick up like re- expensive reprints, like nice looking soarings that fit with their like deck, mm-hmm. for example. Um, I like that they're going through the colours slowly but surely. 
this should be great for dedicated black commander players um yeah yeah, that's all i really have to say on it like i'm glad it exists but it doesn't affect me like it it will benefit a lot of people yeah i think i'm kind of the same like it does look good it's not really for me i would have been a lot more excited about it and interested in it if it had a few more of the iconic black lands like cabal crawfers or urborg and that kind of thing because when i think of black and commander they are the cards like, well, you, they go in every black commander yeah. and they just give them what they like, do. Don't get me wrong, I appreciate the Ophia Mansour reprint or whatever, but like, Cabal Coffers is a significantly more iconic black card, in my opinion. Mm. Um, now, that might be getting nitty gritty or whatever, but I do think stuff like Cabal Coffers and Urborg definitely deserve the reprints and stuff as well. So, yeah. Ah, look, it, it is what it is. It's it's not curated. Then again, exactly then me, again so. I'm a little confused to why Sol Ring and Command Tower is in every single one. Oh, because it has to be it has to fit the the color theme and stuff like you know. I guess, but it's just like you could easily replace those with Urborg and Kavalkov as well. Oh, right. for sure, for sure, yeah. The way I see it, yeah. I mean, like, there's enough different Sol Ring versions and like it's like hundreds of them. It's and, right, right. Yeah, it's printed yeah. death. Yeah. So the first big proper set, proper proper set of the year is Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. This is releasing on, I believe, it's February eighteenth. So. I'm going to be honest, I'm unbelievably excited for the full art basic lands. They Bang, will they look great. Yeah, they will forever become my basics that I'm going to use, without question. My my early prediction on that is that they will be the new unhinged basics, as in yeah. everyone will be play them. Yeah. Which is, is not saying it's a bad thing, that's just what I think what will happen. Aesthetically, I think this is a huge bump up for uh, magic in general, because yes. I, I don't really care for the unlands in general. I know. Same. I'm probably going to get cancelled for saying that, but you know what, I don't care. Um... <laughs> I, one thing I will say about Kamigawa, though, basic lands aside, I am cautious of how they're going to approach this set, right? Because I know that they employed a team of cultural experts and stuff to help with the design, aesthetics, environments, and everything. And that is a great start because they didn't really do that before for sets that weren't, like, white person playing, you know? So yes. already some people have expressed uncertainty about the framing of certain aspects. Like, I've seen some people complain that they're attributing the Yakuza to being ninjas or vice versa and that kind of thing. And that. Mm doesn't really fit um historically or culturally or anything um now again i'm a white person i have zero authority in this i'm going to default my trust in people that have more authority on this because i have no i have no knowledge or experience yeah. or anything like that 100 um, i'm kind of I'm, I'm with you on that like i'm excited for it because i never got to experience kamigawa mm. when it first came out in like 2003 or whatever yeah so I'm curious to see how Watsi will approach like the futuristic side of things because we haven't really seen futuristic stuff in Magic before, like yeah. properly futuristic stuff. Kaladesh kind of counts, but this is like proper futuristic neon yeah. cyberpunky yeah. kind of thing. Be interesting how they do that and then mesh it with like traditional sort of Shinto inspired mm-hmm. sort of culture, which is what original Kamigawa was referenced. For. But yeah, I'm hoping it's not too traditionalist in the sense that they're just keeping to the same tropes because that's what they think is correct. So I'm just hoping it kind of ticks the box culturally and it doesn't upset people because Mm -hmm. the premise is really cool. But I'm not confident on that given Watsi's track record. (laughs) Yeah, like to put it it simply, the full art basics is a great example of doing it right where you get Japanese artists to do things that are culturally relevant in their styles and that kind of thing but uh, if you're like oh look at all these sneaky Asians that's not okay 
you know that's that's the kind of difference we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's here, like a so. good example is with the the new Umazawa card that's mm. getting a special treatment from the guy that did the Metal Gear Solid art. Yeah, that that's that sort of style, right? That's a really good nod to that sort of style and that sort mm. of art form, right? So we'll have to see. But I'm, I'm overall, I'm excited for the sex. We've got ninjutsu yeah. that's looking to be back, and that's a really fun mechanic. So it'll be interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, we shall see. Now. Next release that we're going to have, we don't have an exact date or time for it, but it is going to be the Challenger decks in quarter one, so in the first quarter of the year. We don't have a whole lot of information on these. We know that that's when Challenger decks are coming out. You have noted down here in the notes that we're not 100% sure if they're going to be standard or pioneer Challenger decks because... Like, they haven't said the info on that tends to drop like three weeks before they come out, to be honest. It's really, really late notice. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, so... I think if they're standard, I don't think they're going to fare very well at all. I agree. Because not only are people kind of off standard just in general, especially now even more so with alchemy, but it's not in paper, like at all. There is, however, a push of Pioneer people to try and get more people playing Pioneer. So if they are Pioneer decks, then I would say different. But if they are standard... I'm fairly confident these are going to be standard, just given that we had Pioneer Challenger decks last October. And if they are standard ones and they're just going to look at the best performing standard decks, they don't really transfer well to Pioneer very well if you're looking to port them because you should, really. Yeah. And Mono Green's probably the only exception. Yeah. But like Mono White is an epiphany. No one plays those in, in Pioneer. No. And no one, as you say, no one plays paper standard. So I'm yeah. a bit confused if they are standard challenger decks because no one re- like standard FNMs aren't firing at the moment. So no. No. it's a weird one. Yeah. And then a complete shift in tone. Next one will be Unfinity on, surprise, surprise, April 1st. (laughs) I'm not really interested in this myself. Now, don't get me wrong. I have been, yeah, like I'm kind of whatever because, yes, it's cool that like they have the the shocks and there's going to be some commander cards and that kind of thing or whatever. I was around for... um, Unstable? Unstable, that was the one. I was around for Unstable. It was good. It was fun. It was like one of the most fun-filled weeks at the LGS but that was because I lived like directly around the corner and was there like most days because I had free time or whatever at the time so Mm. it's not going to line up the same here it's going to be like look at all this fun thing you can do with your friends while you're stuck indoors and yeah no not so much you know Infinity is in my category of I'm happy that it exists but it's not for me yeah pretty much um, the shocks look really cool. Again, like the whole futuristic magic stuff leaning in is really cool, and it's nice yeah. to see that they're opening themselves up to that. Great. I'm probably not going to play it. I re- I did play a lot of Unstable when that came out because um, it was like a two-headed giant format, and I love two-headed giant. It's just mm-hmm. a silly bit of fun, right? Um, but I'll probably skip this because COVID. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is the thing. If we weren't in the middle of a huge, horrible pandemic... I would probably be way more excited for this and would be going to the LGS yeah. to play it and stuff. Interesting but. to see how they do the whole non-silver border stuff and stuff mm. that could be legal in Legacy. That's going to be really interesting. That's going to trip a lot of people up because it's not as distinguishable as it has been in previous sets. Yeah. I'm I'm not so much interested in the Legacy side of things because, well, to be honest, like who's playing Legacy anymore? Let's be real. Like there, there are a couple yeah. of people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disparaging the format. The format is cool and interesting and stuff. But like, when basically nobody plays it, whenever anyone wants to join, and it's like, you can't really proxy if you want to play, especially in like sanctioned events or whatever, which mm. basically don't exist either. 
I don't know. Maybe it'll go the way of Vintage and like proxying's kind of fine or whatever, but like we'll see. Yeah. But there is going to be commander cards in here, which means there's probably going to be commander discourse around them. So I'm probably going to be involved in some way. <laughs> so Yeah, that's the thing. Like that's the problem as content creators, <laughs> right? When we write stuff, it's like, oh, this is not for me. Like I'm not going to play it personally, but I still have to cover it because there's probably going to be the splash damage from mm-hmm. formats I do cover, yeah. and then you just like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> Damn it. It's not for me, but I have to talk like it is. Yeah. Such is the way. Now, next up is the next big set of the year in quarter two. It's going to be Streets of New Capenna. So I think this is the set that I'm most unsure of. And it's not because it doesn't sound cool or anything, because it, it does. You know, it's it's kind of cool. But it's just that I've seen nothing that grabs me yet. You know, like 10 years ago, mm. a pinstripe demon would have grabbed my attention. No problem. I would have been like, that's really badass. Yeah, look at the suits and the fedoras and their arm, <laughs> big edgelord. Like... But, like, I need a little more than that now. Like, I've, I've yeah. kind of grown up, you know. Um, I'm looking forward to it because I quite like the Art Deco theme because mm. every time I think of Art Deco, I think of Bioshock, and I really, really like Bioshock. Uh, we, we know Obnixus is in the set. We've seen, mm-hmm. we've seen pictures of that. There's, there's rumours that this is Elspeth's home plane as well, so Elspeth might be around. My only one wish for the set is the complete cycle of Triumphs or something that's our Triumphs but a different name to fit the new Compena sort of theme. Because we would like to have complete life cycles in Modern and Pioneer, and the, mm. the Trilands are great. So, and for Commander, obviously as well. I'm sure because the, these ones are these shards and not the wedges like Ikoria was. Yeah. yeah. So that would be cool. I agree that I would like to see the Triumphs, not because I like them, but because I think that you know you should be completing your land cycles. So yeah, yeah. this is it. But yes, now <laughs> this next. This one. is one you're excited for. <laughs> I am very hyped. For Commander Legends, Battle for Baldur's Gate. This is in quarter two. This is the one I think I'm most hyped for based on how Commander Legends 1 was and also the fact that it's D&D. Now, I love and play an awful lot of D&D. I absolutely do. But it's been nearly all homebrew stuff. So when mm-hmm. I see all these characters and stuff, I'm like, yes, I've heard this name before. Whatever. You know, I'm, I'm way more interested to see stuff like Mimics or like the 50 feet of rope or whatever because I'm like, ah, yeah. they're the things I had in my backpack or whatever. I've seen the dungeon. Pack of holding. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, I know people, when they saw the Forgotten Realms or whatever, they saw, like, Drizzt and stuff and were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. He's here. And I'm like, who? You know? <laughs> yeah, I was but, like, who's this guy? Must be in, like, books yeah. or something. Like, I'm like, way before yeah. my time. Yeah. But the thing is, the point is that it's it's kind of a crossover thing, but it, it feels thematically pretty spot on. So yeah. it's fine. So... In terms of theme and subject matter and stuff, I really like it, not just because I, you know, can see some references to other things that I enjoy or play with or whatever, but a lot of other people will see characters or whatever in this and be like, oh my god, I, I'm loving this, I want to build a commander deck based around this hero or this or that yeah. or there, whatever. And that's great, you know. Just because I don't get all the references doesn't mean that it's not fantastic, because it probably is going to be. And based on how Commander Legends 1 was and how much of an enormous boon it was for the game... I'm really hyped for this. It's like if Modern Horizons was like largely a positive impact and had no problems at all. That's basically <laughs> yes. kind of how Commander Legends went. Uh, Whole Breacher was probably the only one, right? Whole Breacher, that was yeah. the question mark. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think overall the, the reception for Commander Legends it's was just higher than Modern Horizons, but Absolutely. Did I say Commander Horizons? Ah, look, Commander Legends. It's you know same what I mean. thing. Yeah, same thing. Potato potato. <laughs> I'm indifferent that the fact it's a commander set. Mm. I admit commander's not like one of the formats I play the most, but I am excited the fact that it's a D&D crossover set because I absolutely mm. love Adventure in the Forgotten Realms. 
I'm just kind of excited to see what sort of, you know, characters they bring in, what sort of items are they bringing, yeah. like the flavour text mechanics that they did in AFR was really cool, so I hope they bring that back in. Um, and it might encourage me to build a D&D commander deck, so yes. I'm pretty stoked for it. This is the thing that I was just talking about, where, yeah. you know, there's, there's enough of a crossover where someone's going to see some references or something that they... Like associate with or whatever, and be like, you know what? I think I'm going to do this, and then you get I into the format. Want to build a bugbear and... commander deck or right? something, or an owlbear commander deck? You know, that would yeah. be great. Give me an owlbear legend, please. There we go. Now the next big set in quarter three is going to be Dominaria United. So we are returning to returning to returning to returning to returning to Dominaria. Um, <laughs> now for me, okay, this is this sounds very biased, and it is. So the Dominaria set from a couple of years ago. Um, you know, around like roughly Ixalan-ish kind of time. 2016, or was that came out? I think it was 18, possibly. 17, 18. Uh, times a flat circle. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it's very Jeremy Bermy, but I digress. This was around the time when I started to get into more competitive magic for a little bit, and it was a really good time for me because I remember going to GP Birmingham and I just went back-to-back sealed double-ups for the whole weekend, where if you got two wins and then you ID'd with your opponent on the third round, you got basically enough ticks for an entire box. So I won six boxes that weekend, and I cracked them all in the hotel lobby playing, like, you know, Pygao or, like, other silly things or whatever. Pygao is so good to do with boosters. Until six in the morning. And then I went back and I ran it back the next day. Like, it was fantastic. So I have fond memories of anything Dominaria because of this. I'm really excited for it. I'm not particularly one for the lore in general Same. Uh, because a lot of it was before my time I have caught up on some of it but it's not hugely relevant to me I think but yeah yeah. so I also have fond memories of Dominaria at that same weekend at that same GP really? yeah so I enjoyed it as a grindy it's a very grindy limited format and I love a good grindy limited format mm-hmm. which is what original Dominaria was I recall playing a lot to Edda Giant that weekend with okay. my partner yeah. at the time um, and if you free out you get two booster boxes nice essentially um so we just kept running it back mm-hmm. to, to edit giant um dominaria um and then we essentially we cracked open like a a, a set of the khan signs of urza which yeah. were really expensive at the time because everyone yeah. over speculated on it so we just traded them in for like ridiculous amounts of store credit mm-hmm. and just picked up stuff that we wanted yeah so that was fun and so i'm also biased when it comes to dominaria <laughs> um like you I'm not particularly keen on the old magic law because it was way before my time mm. and finding that law is difficult in a way that is easy to catch up on so with that I kind of hope there's some references to the law that yeah. gets me up to speed um, but I really liked original Dominaria so I'm quite looking forward to this one yeah nice next one we have is Double Masters 2022 in quarter three this is the one I'm looking forward to yeah I, I can imagine because the last one was basically Tron the reprints so Artifact Masters <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I love Double Masters the original one mm-hmm. uh, 2020 um, I'm very excited to see this come around just because of just the reprint value yeah. like we know Ren and Six is coming we know Animatu is coming as well mm-hmm. um, so just hoping for Desire reprints for the modern for Commander perhaps legacy for those who care and my only wish for the set is that i want a cavern of souls at rare probably not going to get the rare bit but i really want a cavern of souls and double masters yeah so when it comes to these kind of master sets i'm kind of indifferent on them all i care about is just that if they've got good reprint value i don't really care about the draft environment or whatever i just i like seeing them on the shelf in the lgs so if i like you know win enough rounds that i get store Mm. credit that i can grab one or two of these packs or something then that's great but 
yeah like so you said about like Ren and Six and stuff I want to see Force of Negation I want to see Aether Vial I want to see the Eldrazi Titans you mentioned Cavernous Souls as well Chalice yeah. of the Void doubling season Jace the Mind Sculpture there's so it, many I want it repenting. in the same treatment as Modern Horizons 2 as well when there's like four different versions of the card yeah just so many of them that you can that just drives the price down like look at the enemy fetches yeah. now like 100% yeah absolutely that's what I want yeah I'm, none of this VIP booster bullshit just just give me loads of different versions yeah. of the card in set draft and collector boosters let's go this is the thing as well like I, people like I'm gonna kind of meme this a little bit Broke sure. is complaining about the number of different versions of cards there is and it's all confusing Woke is understanding yeah. that there are more reprints of the card so therefore they're cheaper yeah. and more accessible yeah, that that's, is just that's, how it is. That's the best part about it, yeah. right? That's what I want. Just do that with Double Masters, good to go. Mm-hmm. And in particular with Kevin the Souls, if you print it. Yeah. Give, give like eight different versions if we have to. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, are quite, there are quite a number of twos actually in this name. Double Masters 2022. So many twos. So many twos. Speaking of twos, uh, the Brothers War. <laughs> there are two brothers. Nice segue. Yeah, thank you. I set that one up and knocked it down. Smooth as Braille, baby. Uh, So, yeah, Brothers War is coming in quarter four. This is going to be the last main big set of the year. It's, you know, Urza versus Mishra kind of stuff if you're lore inclined. I'm not. Um, because Same. as far as things go, like we're both relatively new to magic in the grand scheme of things compared to the 30 odd years that it's been around. So lore is less of a thing for us. But I am hoping this is an artifact set. And yeah, I just love some artifact nonsense. That's all I want to do just dumb artifact stuff yeah i'm a bit apprehensive with artifact sets just <laughs> given what they've done in magic previously i'm not lo- I'm looking at you kaladesh and mirrodin um so i'm kind of hoping it is an artifact set but it's not going the same way as ones before it like there is some restrictions that are, like leading into colors and not all generically costed mm-hmm. that kind of thing on the other hand, it's going to be really interesting to see Urza and Mishra in Standard and to see where the power level lies because they are traditionally quite powerful characters in Magic. So mm-hmm. making that for Standard is going to be really interesting. But at the same time, I hope it's narrated in a way for people like you and me to understand that conflict because we have we won't, we didn't get into Magic back in, you know, 30 years ago. So Yeah, yeah hopefully. We shall see. We'll see. Now, when it comes to the next thing that will be released, one of the last things of the year, Jumpstart 2022. So, like Jumpstart before, I don't really have an interest, but it is a cool product that's always fared very well. A lot of people enjoy it. It's cool to have it around. It's neat if you're, like, hanging around the LGS, you've got some time to waste, and you want to just, you know, burn through a couple of packs and play a game while you're doing it. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Yep, same here. Hope there's some good reprint value. We had Crater Behemoth in the last one, which was really nice. Again, it falls in the category of, glad it exists. Probably not going to touch it. Yeah, pretty much. Won't affect me, so I'm not going to complain. It's, for it, no reason. It's very likely to have a couple of cards that will just absolutely bork historic, but like, at that point... Oh yeah, point, you, you got stuff like, you had like Allosaurus Shepherd's a great example in Jumpstart, yeah. right? The original one, that's like ridiculous. But mm. as long as there's some reprint value, I always think they're quite good. Yeah. These kind of sets. That's it. And then the final thing that we know about Universes Beyond is Warhammer 40k. This is going to be in late 2022. So this could be the last thing, could be the first thing in quarter four or something, but late 22. Um, I'm not particularly interested, but like I mentioned earlier with the D&D stuff, it's cool that they're getting people interested in the game using pre-established franchises and getting crossover fans something for them. So if you're interested in both, like I assume you are, Emma, um, then it's just all upside, you know? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see 
A, what they do and how they transfer these characters. So apparently they're going to be commander decks. There's going to be mm-hmm. four commander decks yeah. that are all around Warhammer 40,000, which is a Games Workshop IP. Mm-hmm. It's a tabletop miniatures game set in like the 41st millennia. So it's all high-tech, power suits, guns, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's just going to be interesting just to see how these appear on wizard rectangles, basically, and like how, like, you know, what the com- kind of commander deck's going to be. Yeah. One of them's going to be Space Marines, which is one of the most popular sort of factions in Warhammer. Yeah. So there's, you're going to get a lot of people from Warhammer coming into Magic, which is great, right? That's what you mm. want. So yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to see how they do these, and I will probably pick a few up because of the Warhammer and because I'm the perfect, I'm the middle of the Venn diagram when it comes to this thing. So yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. One thing I will say is that I kind of want to see one of the decks be Tyranids. They're basically like the slivers of the 40k universe. However, I have a prediction that I want to make. And that is that they're going to actually have the creature type sliver for mechanical purposes. It'd be also be interesting because I know they they did it with, or they're going to do it with the Walking Dead cards. Mm -hmm. And I think they're doing it with the the Stranger Things cards where they're making magic versions of those cards yeah. in like set boosters the list stuff mm-hmm. interesting to see if they do it with these as well maybe yeah who knows we shall see what I'm interested in seeing how this plays out or pans out is mm. how do I explain this like the art for the entire commander deck would have to mm. feel very 40k so that means there's going to be 100 yeah. cards in there with like essentially 40k art yeah. does that mean that the entire deck is going to be new cards or is it going to be some new cards that are going to be like you said the universe is beyond things or whatever but then also 40k art versions of other things that you will see is it like the arcane arcane secret league of legends stuff where you have rhystic study but it's rhystic study with a different name but it has the the reminder that it is a rhystic study is that going to be in 40k be interesting to see i hope so yeah like they might not have the a different name but they might just have like the art say like source of plowshares could just be like I don't know, as an ultramarine with a flamethrower or something like, you know? Yeah, there's going to be a, a Warhammer 40k Sol Ring, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of hope there is... I want my faction to be a commander deck. It's unlikely, which is like the Death Guard, which are like the Chaos Place Marines. That would be really cool, because I would pick that one up and play it mm. <laughs> to go with my uh, army. Yeah. So they are all of the sets and releases that are going to be coming out this year. There are one or two other things that we're going to cover off very quickly. When it comes to Arena, we're, we're kind of both on the, the same topics here. And that is we want to mm-hmm. see a better economy because we want to actually play Arena. But we're not incentivized in any way to do so right now. Uh, because, well, first of all, you can't dust or exchange cards in any way. And... There was a there was a thing I was talking about just before we hit record, and I do want to touch on it very quickly here. And yes, this is a little bit of a rant. Um, I mentioned I started playing. Yeah, first rant of the year. Let's go. Um, (laughs) This is what I'm titling the Gacha argument. Right. So, take Genshin Impact, the game that I was talking about that I'm playing at the moment. It is in theory not not actually in theory. It is in actuality a Gacha game, and the idea behind Gacha game is that like you can essentially buy packs to like go with a chance of opening different things you know like be it a special character or a cool weapon or different upgrades or whatever in Genshin Impact it's interesting because you have the full game and you can play it and you can enjoy yourself without spending a penny I like I said have not spent a penny and you can do tasks within the game in order to get a currency to buy in the game they're called wishes and you can wish for 
you know, a new weapon or a character or whatever, you never get to choose what you get. It's always a roll of the dice, but it's like cracking packs, right? It's basically cracking packs, just with a different skin, right? The thing with that, right, is that they show you, if they are loot boxes, right? They show you the percentage chance of getting all the things if you look at the details and all that sort of stuff. And they have a foolproof system where, like, if after X amount of wishes or whatever, you don't get things of a certain quality or whatever, you're guaranteed to get something, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So... It works out kind of well because people that want to put money into it, that's fine. You can do that. They know what they're getting themselves into and that's okay. When it comes to magic, I think it's gacha only worse when it comes to arena. And the reason for that is you can't just jump in and start playing with nothing because, well, you don't have any cards. Sure, you've got a couple of like basic beginner decks or whatever that you can start off with, but like you have to put money in in order to actually win games in the first place. Like It's very hard and it's a very, very long, slow grind if you're not doing that. Even even a few quid, like 20 quid, like the welcome pack 10 quid thing or whatever it is. And if you are free to play, you are constantly grinding towards getting a standard deck together or insert format here in order to be able to play. And by the time you have it, that standard season is nearly over and then new cards come in and then you're working towards that and you're stuck with that deck unless you put more money in and get mm. another deck. And that's... It seems kind of scummier in a way because you don't have control over what you're getting like sure you can like spend a couple of wild cards or whatever that you get from incidentally opening packs or whatever but in free to play you've got very little to do that with especially considering like a lot of the lands and stuff are like pretty much required in order for your deck to function properly and they are rares and then like the majority of your deck is rares or mythics or whatever and it it starts to add up and it becomes and then you have the issue of like you don't have protection on what you open either. So you can open, mm. like, eight Thalias from two different sets. Yeah. Sort of thing. Like, surely four's enough, so why would you need the other four from a different set, right? Yeah. Like, it feels really, really bad. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm not... Why I went to play Arena, to be honest, because it's just like, I don't want to burn money. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like, I also... Like, it, if they want to do it whatever way they do it, that's fine. But at least with the gacha games, they have like a full list of like, this is the percentage chance of getting all of these things. And you know, you know, and like you can make the argument that like, oh, you know, you open six packs, you get a rare wild card regardless. That counts, quote unquote. But like, Mm. doesn't really like it's it might get like it'll get you the rare that you want, but it's only the one. And then you often need a playset in order to play it in a deck or whatever, you know, so Mm. it's it doesn't feel like the the amount of money or time or effort that you put in if you're free to play is worth it and that's the thing that i think needs to change now with that will will any of that change probably not because people are just throwing money at it anyway and it's probably going to get worse like you said but like we'll see i guess that's the the first rant of the year over (laughs) i still i still live in hope yeah (laughs) yeah yeah despite two years of a pandemic and uh arena being awful we still have hope that's 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 a miracle (laughs) right there (laughs) yes now uh (laughs) i know i know i just had a rant right (laughs) i know i'm literally not well to be fair to be fair we've been off for a few weeks so the rants are we're in negative of rants so we need to yeah the backlog i gotta clear back in the black i gotta clear them out a little bit (laughs) Um, yeah, no, this one is just on Commander, right? So there are a couple of things that I would like to see from Commander this year. 
Okay. Uh, first of all, I want to see people settling on a proper rule zero. So if anyone doesn't know, if you don't play Commander or whatever, rule zero is basically the conversation that when you sit down to play a game, you kind of give a bit of information about what kind of game you're looking to play or what kind of power your deck is at or what you're coming to the table with. And, you know, just information about to try and help everybody get on the same page because Commander is such a wide and diverse format that anything can happen you know so you want to make sure that no one has a blowout game or no one pubs stamps a load of people or whatever you know you, you know what you're getting when you're going into the game and up until now admittedly this is not everybody but it's been a lot of people have been using a number scale saying like oh my deck is a seven or a six or whatever or oh, i'm playing mid like somewhere in the middle it's not descriptive enough it's a broad spectrum as most things are, you pretty much can't do anything on a scale of 1 to 10 because it's not descriptive enough for most things. Yeah, we need to move away from the number scale because it's just not accurate enough. We need to be more descriptive about what your deck is and what it does. Let me give you Lelia the Blade Reforged as an example, my mono red deck, right? I say that Lelia is a, an aggro deck that uses Lelia as the main uh, attacking force. Generally speaking, I want to win with commander damage. There are very few extra combat step cards in the deck i think there are only two i don't use really powerful equipment like ember cleaver that kind of thing to just get people out of nowhere but the whole deck is generally focused on generating value around lelia while providing minimal protection and the reason that i want to do that kind of thing is because i don't want to just like make lelia untouchable and then just win because that's not fun you're not going to get cool interesting interactions that way and like that kind of information is what's important to get across in rule zero. Like, yes, I'm giving you a couple of pieces of information about like cards mm. specifically that are in the deck or what isn't in the deck as well. And that can ruin, quote unquote, some of the surprise for some people, but you'll get over it. It's not that big of a deal if people know that there is or isn't a card in your deck. The game itself is still going to be good if you're all on think, the same level. I think the issue that, I, that, that raises a good point, right? So commanders are very socially... Yeah. orientated game right so why aren't people good at talking and communicating like because magic players emma <laughs> yeah i know but you know what i mean right considering this game considering this format emphasizes so much on social yeah 100%. interaction and communication with three other people why are people so bad at it if you play a lot you should be good at it by default right just for doing it a lot right yeah so it's just a really it's just really weird to me that this is still an issue now like given years of the format yes now i will say and I'm, no, I'm no commander expert but just like outside looking in that's what i kind of see <laughs> you're, you're not wrong i mean like a spade's like, a spade is a spade you know so yeah one thing i will say is that people that play on streams live streams like commander streams are much better at rule zero than people that do not and generally speaking are better at ensuring the game is good and fun overall both in terms of deck building and in playing the game and in having the rule zero and the post-game conversation because that's still part of rule zero too by the way it doesn't just end when someone plays their first land and it's massively helped me as well like i was always all right at rule zero but now i've gotten infinitely better because i know that what i'm doing is for entertainment a lot of the time when i'm playing on stream so i know that i'm not going to put in stuff like you know, Psychrift just so I could overload it and set the game back 10 turns because I like, what's the point? Everyone's just going to turn off the stream at that point. And if everyone's going to turn off the stream at that point, maybe the players are going to turn off the game as well. So why bother? If you're going to do it to play and have fun or whatever, and sure, you can turn around and be like, oh, I like playing Psychrift. That's fine. 
Sure. Just do it in appropriate places. But why you know? are you playing Psych Rift? Yeah. What is your intention behind it? This if is you're it. Looking to, if you're looking to just time reset the game mm-hmm. because whatever, cool. Hopefully you have a way to finish the game because that's what matters here, yeah. right? It's just, I don't know. Like, if, if someone was to do... If I was in a Commander game and someone did that to me, like, oh, or did, did it to the pod gun, oh, yeah, just side drift. I'm going to do nothing else. I'd be like, cool, can we just play another game? Because that will yield a lot more entertainment, a lot more impact than I was just messing around for 10 turns trying to restabilize yeah. and now, finish this off. I haven't done this on stream, but when someone is side drifted like that, I'm like, I scoop. I'm done. Yeah, because this is it. This is like the game is either over or there's going to be a period of like six or seven turns of resetting up stuff, and like I'm just not there for that. I'm there for a good time, not a long time. I am time. more interested in the the quality of the game. Yeah. So I want quantity and quality. Mm-hmm. Psych rifting just because there's nothing else to do and you can't finish the game is yeah. not good. It's not a way how I how people want to play the game. In my, in my opinion, again, it's, I don't play Commander mm-hmm. a lot. It's just. What's the point? It's funny because you touch on two things here. One is you are actually kind of talking about one of the uh, resolutions that I am I wrote about this week in the article. So okay. go check that out on Car Kingdom. Shameless plug. I will. And then also, <laughs> you a word that you said there, intention. Intent is, in my opinion, one of the most important things in Commander. And again, shameless plug, I also talked about that on Car Kingdom before <laughs> in an article. And oh, this article sounds really good, Scott. Yeah, well, the, this is two articles now, but like... Um, I'll link them in the show notes uh, so you can so you can check them out if you're uh, if you haven't read them yet. But that's it. It's just it's all down to like your intentions and stuff. And rule zero is ensuring that you communicate that properly and that you understand everyone else's intentions. That's ultimately what it is. And I don't think people are talking about it in that frame of reference so far. I think it's more like a lot of people talk about rule zero and try to like just get it over with sometimes when if you invest a couple of minutes in it and just be open and cool about it then chances are you're going to have a great time and great multiple games that people are going to want to continue to play with I think people again outside the king it seems like people put a lot more stock in I want to keep the cards safe as much I really want to win as opposed to having this really healthy open-minded conversation about what you can do you can still win by having this conversation like you're not it's not like oh gee this uh, they now have a psychonic rip. Oh no, I can't win the game anymore. What to do? Yeah. It's not like it's like you got ninety nine cards in your deck, dude. Like you can figure it out. Are, You're smart. You can figure it out. You claim to be yeah, smart. Exactly. Every single one of you claim to be smart. Come on, yeah. you can get. You got this. But that is rule, z- rule zero rant over. That's not actually the whole point of the commander thing that I was here <laughs> for. But look, sometimes the the mood strikes and takes me away. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to see with commander is to see it become decentralized geographically. And what I mean yeah, by that is it's all very US-based, right? So the Rules Committee is entirely US-based. I get that. Sure, they're the people that created it. That's fine. And I will say that they are improving it because they'd mentioned recently, Sheldon Marie had put up an article recently saying that they are looking at adding more members to the Rules Committee for the first time in like 10 years. And they were looking preferably at people on other continents and stuff and in order to get a better understanding because it's not just the us sort of frame of mind and and view on and the player base and stuff like there are people in europe there are people in japan there are people in south america there are people all over the world that play commander it's not just the us but currently it feels like it that article actually prompted this point but another thing that i see as well is like a lot of the famous streams and stuff and the majority of streams actually in general are us based and it's not surprising because again that's where a lot of people are that play and everything but 
it is difficult for other creators everywhere else to get a look in. So the majority of streams tend to be at ridiculous times for anyone that isn't in the US. And I do understand that they're people just probably working around their own lives. And I get that. But it is very tough to make the global community feel more connected when there is a big time divide and everything is at like 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where that's like, you know, anywhere from 11 a.m. or 11 p.m. to like 3 a.m. for us here in Ireland and England and even worse for the rest of Europe. And then like the likes of like people over in, in, in Asia or anywhere that want to be able to play, the times are all over the place now. Well, you can 100% find things like there There are plenty of like UK streamers and everything as well, um, or Japanese streamers or whatever. They all do their own content and stuff, but it's not got the same level of exposure as the US things do. And this is what I'm talking about with decentralizing it geographically in terms of the community, because yes, the US is an enormous part of it, but it's not the only part. And that's how it feels currently. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. But yeah, that is it for Commander for Arena, yeah. for the upcoming sets, for our hopes for 2022. To round it off, Emma, we have a couple of questions, I believe. <laughs> we do. So we'll start with Bo Schwartz uh, from the BMCast Discord. Mm-hmm. They ask, you're put in charge of the reprinting machine at Wizards of the Coast. What is the first card you're reprinting? Or Vizardrix just to annoy everybody. <laughs> I was going to say Stormcrow, but... <laughs> Does, it doesn't matter. Crap card. Crap card with no value. Um, just do it. Serious note, Cavern of Souls, but that's <laughs> that's a long-standing issue for me. <laughs> um, that would be mine, I think. To be honest, I'm all for sowing the seeds of chaos the world over. So, <laughs> like, it, it's going to have to be like Black Lotus. Like, it would have to be. Yeah. Realistically. Th- like That gets into the RC, like the um, reserve lift conversation. That yeah. is part of it, I think. Um, but if we're talking non-run, like cards that we can't touch in the reserve list, mm-hmm. a cabin of souls for me because it's just it should not be expensive as what it is currently. Um, because I'm looking to buy them as well. Uh, play set of Urza Saga. I'd reprint yeah, them into the ground one. right now. <laughs> yeah, make them two. Make them yeah. two euros, please. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> That'll work. Um, so Joe Cheney has a couple of questions for us. Mm-hmm. So the first one is favorite new card from 2021, oh not to reprint. Oh my god. Uh, oof, okay. So I convinced my answer of Fravid Inspector, but fine. <laughs> um, oh god, I should do some thinking about this. There's just so many. Um, so mine, so mine is um, favorite. It's not necessarily the best, but it's one of my favorites. Uh, that is Lake to Dinner from Modern Horizons Two. That's nice. Yeah, that's a nice. Yeah, because I really, I really love the art. I really love the flavor text. Kev Walker did the art, which is also great, and mm. it's a rhino and elephant having dinner. Mm. It's just really endearing, and the card itself is pretty good as well. Yeah. Oh, this is this is tough. Like there are so many, but there are also oh god, I've no idea. To save like ten minutes of like me making grunting noises trying to think of a card, I'm just gonna go ahead and say Thought Monitor because I thought it was real neat. Um, Good shout. Yeah, it's the best mold drifter ever printed, and it's made Affinity a viable thing. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a cool one. And Joe Cheney says, we kind of answered this through the most of the episode when we're talking about the sets, but I'll ask it again. Which announced set are you most looking forward to and why? Yeah, so I do but think... yours is I do think Commander it's Legends 2. Commander Legends 2. And I, it's for the fact that it's Commander Legends 2, not necessarily the fact that it's D&D. But that mm. is a kind of a neat bonus, I guess. Yeah, and I think mine is Double Masters uh, just because of the reprint value mm-hmm. and it's just going to make those... Hopefully it'll make Modern that slightly bit more affordable. Thanks, Modern Horizons 2. Yeah. Um, and then, lastly, Joe Cheney asks, favourite cheese and drink pairing? Mm. 
See, I'm not wild on drinking anymore in general. I've said this a few times now. So, yes. like, I would, I would much sooner, you know, do like a charcuterie board rather than have like cheese and wine. So, Same. Because yeah. I don't, I can't drink a lot of wine because it just knocks me out. So I just, I tend to lean into the more of the cheese part rather mm. than the wine part because it means I get more cheese. Um, but yeah, I'll just take a cheese board every time, I think. Um, and maybe like a beer perhaps or a cider, like a nice crisp cider goes well with cheese. Yeah, I was actually going to say that I think, I think if I had to pick, it would probably be mozzarella and any Italian beer because it means I'm probably eating pizza at an Italian restaurant. Good show. So, yeah. <laughs> so we've got a question from Ebb the Mage. Um, they firstly, they say, hope you both had a good holidays, good and safe holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those looking for budget bling this year, Outland Liberator is going to be a multi-format stable, which is the one that you sacrifice to destroy an artifact or an enchantment, I believe, from yeah. Midnight Hunt, yeah. I want to say. And it flips so that on attacking, it'll blow up an artifact or enchantment yes. as well. Yeah. Um, seeing like minor modern play as well because it's in like Amulet Titan sideboards because you can get it off a of summoner's pact mm-hmm. and I suspect it's really really good in, in Commander as well just because it's a green yeah. thing that can just deal with artifacts and enchantments so yeah you should pick those up before mm-hmm. it probably shoots up at some point because I think it's an uncommon and they yep. tend to go up after a little while as well and do and then lastly you've got uh, a question from Anton or Hail Bodus um, <laughs> and, they, and they say Please both guess exactly how many listener questions you'll answer in the episodes this year, and then we can check back in 12 months to see who's the most smartest of the co-hosts. This is difficult, because we get a lot of questions. <laughs> 127 is my guess. I will go 110. and I will, We will write these in the show notes as mm-hmm. well, so it's there, so people can reference it cool. and fact check it. Yeah, and I'll just be sure to, you know, make sure that we add a couple of questions towards the end of the year to uh, ensure that we get to my result, yeah. So if I so if I get a, a question from Cot Scullin, yeah. then I know it's you. Cot Scullin or, you know, <laughs> at definitely not Scott on Twitter. <laughs> or just get Angelo to ask loads of questions instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Angelo, if you're listening, help me up, buddy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. However, we've had more patrons join recently that could fit into the usual outro, so I've got to speed this up a bit. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have... Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Matthew O'Neill, Anthony Burchett, Morgan Roberts, MF Peaches, Miss Eldridge, Minnie Maya, Jonas Kong, Jeff Eaton, Zachary Morrow, Ozan Kaplaner, and Moonus Light. And at the stocks here, we have Scott Creech, Simon Griff, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker, Nerblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Mickey Paris, Mark Davis, Coffee, Spencer Stack, and Tom Telford. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. <laughs>